Hello, and welcome to 3 Keynote. I'm Al. And I'm Prab. Today, I've got a good feeling about this one. We have three films. We have the first film, which is Mabel's Busy Day. The second film is The Last Temptation of Christ. And the third film is Mandy. Interesting. Indeed. Very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll start with the first film, which is Mabel's Busy Day, 1914, directed by Mabel Norman, uh, who was, she's the actress in it as well. Mm, so the story follows Mabel, who is a hot dog salesperson. Uh, she goes to the races. Vendor. Vendor, indeed. Uh, she, uh, she bribes her way into the races. So, it's a car racing and uh, she, she, she's having some trouble selling selling her hot dogs uh, but she runs into Charlie Chaplin who is basically a hooligan as far as I can see uh, she, he gets hold of her hot dogs and then basically starts giving them away more trouble ensues there's fighting um, but then they make up at the end indeed yes very violent Charlie Chaplin a very, in this movie. A very violent Charlie Chaplin in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm. So, well, yeah, what do you think? For visuals? What do you think? Okay, so this, I think, was one of Chaplin's earlier movies, 1914. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, it's, it's originally in black and white. Yes. But the version I saw was a colorized version of the movie mm, yeah. and it has yeah i mean for for a very short film a 12 minute pretty much 12 minute movie it's, it's pretty it's got quite a lot of effects in it i mean mm. the crowd at the races it's like actually a large crowd of seemingly like a, hundreds of people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they've got like real cars doing the racing uh it's heavily based on like visual gags and obviously Charlie Chaplin's like pretty incredible at putting these off. And even uh, the titular Mabel, mm. she's pretty like physical in the movie as well. I mean, she does her fair share of beating people down. Yeah. It seems to be like a, a main violence and hitting each other and falling over <laughs> seems to be like one of the main, main gags. Of silent movies. Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely this one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, yeah, it was, visually it was pretty interesting. Mm. For twelve minutes held my attention for those twelve minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I thought it was funny on different levels though. Like there was the humor which they were going for, and then there was like humor they might not have been going for is that basically all of the all of the extras were kind of looking at the camera the whole time. <laughs> right. Did you get that? As well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it did seem like some of them didn't realize that it was a film. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just like, wait, what's that box over there that you're pointing at us? <laughs> Don't know what that is. You're breaking the fourth wall, guys. Stop <laughs> it. So, yeah, that's, that's quite funny as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I thought the visual gags were pretty well done. I mean, he, Charlie Chaplin just seemingly very odd character who just goes around kicking people mm. and 
not really sure what his motivations are. So he, he approaches Mabel for a hot dog at first. And then he like, I think at first he tries to steal one. Right. So, so he, he or not Mabel's, Mabel's like mm. struggling with some other customer. Mm. So Charlie Chaplin's character comes in and then beats that guy up for her. And then she's like, oh, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Rough, and then rough ste- crowd, really, wasn't it? Yeah. So he steals a hot dog and then runs away. <laughs> and then later, he, when she goes to the police, he comes back and takes her hot dog stand mm. and then just starts giving them the hot dogs away to a bunch of people. Mm. Kind of giving away and kind of them stealing them. Right, right. He gets into a fight with them as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he gets into a fight with everyone pretty much. It's just really... <laughs> I think it was uh, what I found quite entertaining is also is quite okay. That's not really this. Not all of it was entertaining for its unpolitically correctness, but him like beating up police officers was quite entertaining. And that's not that that's a good thing to do. <laughs> Something but it's like it? you don't see that as in in any comedy these days. It's probably a good thing. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you don't see it there, yeah. True. Like in the in the scuffle with the policeman, you know, I didn't actually see it, but like one second they're just arguing, and the mm. police officer's like shaking his like baton at him, mm. and then the next second, somehow Charlie Chaplin's got the policeman's baton, and then Mabel's expressions like suddenly changes, and then Chaplin starts beating the cop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least like the thing is they're not particularly realistic representations of police officers like they've got those oh. comedy mustaches and yeah like even their uniforms don't really fit particularly well it did look like the mustache was stuck on as well i'm just saying um yeah <laughs> i think the actor looked too young to be wearing such a such a big mustache mm, yeah um but Charlie wasn't was also kind of up to what what would probably be quite considered some kind of sexual harassment or something along uh, those lines as well. Yeah, he does hit on a bunch of women. Yeah, in a very strange way. But then <laughs> they end up kind of then he starts stealing from one of them as well. He's just yep. stealing from them, and then they all start laughing off at the end. Yeah, I, I wasn't actually clear on what he took. So he. He, he opens one of these women's handbags, takes something out, and then starts waving around. A person, you know. Is it a person? Maybe, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting in this absurdity, really. It's mm. just Charlie Chaplin doing a bunch of crazy stuff, mm. and the reactions, of the way people react to him doing it, and his own reaction to it. Like, yeah. For, like, when he takes mm. over the hot dog stand, He's like surrounded by this group of guys and they start messing around with his hat. And he's like, while he's like trying to hand out the hot dogs, he's like trying to rearrange his hat at the same time. And because like these movies were shot in a kind of weird frame rate, mm. it's like all, it kind of looks a bit sped up. Wow. So his hands are like moving really fast. He's like handing out hot dogs, straightening his hat while these bunch of people are like messing around with it behind him. Yeah, I think it works pretty well. It, yeah, exactly right. Um, because we watched the other one recently, uh, which was a much later one, right? Of Charlie right. Chaplin's. Um, so it seems like he still wasn't quite, he wasn't the, he wasn't the Charlie Chaplin of that film, was he? But he mm. still had a lot of, um, understanding of vi- like visual 
using his body in those kind of gags. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's hmm, that's that's good because we can't we don't have a sort of audio section as such, do we? Right. Um, so the version I saw was like a kind of a piano accompaniment, mm-hmm. but I mean, what what would movies have had when it was first shown? I'm I'm guessing yeah, I think that would have been the case, right? Um, mm. A piano a piano accompaniment, something along those right. lines. Yeah, because obviously we thought we mentioned that the house sort of short short it was. Mm. So it probably would have been part of the bigger program. Yeah. Mm. I mean, the last Chaplin movie we did here, even though it was a silent movie, it was kind of like towards the the start of the talkies. Right. So there was there was actually sound effects in that movie. There, mm. there was voiced voiced work in that movie. Whereas this one, this one does seem to stick to a much more traditional silent movie. There, there's there's no voices. There's no dialogue. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, from a, from a consumption point of view, like we we find it a bit strange these days, don't we? Like, mm. Not having that, but I watched it without the piano accompaniment and with it later, mm. and it was definitely better with the piano accompaniment. I can see that. I mean, I know the, the piano accompaniment of the one I saw, it was pretty good. I mean, it matched the tone. Mm. That's pretty good, I thought. And because it's only twelve minutes, it kind of. I mean, yeah, you're right. We're not we're not used to this kind of like dialogue-free videos these days. At the same time, I mean, not that I'm a fan myself, but the rise of things like TikTok, where mm. people make these like short videos, often accompanied by music. They're kind of like skits wow. without dialogue, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminded me of kind of reminded me of that mm. I, I, w- I would imagine that people would probably be more familiar with it now than perhaps 10 years ago with that kind of storytelling yeah that's true actually and there's um, there's those like vines right as well which are yeah, quite yeah, yeah. similar yeah, exactly because yeah it, w- it wasn't like watching and this is probably a more of a broad point about films of that time, but it wasn't like watching a film film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More like a sketch. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah. It's an interesting point. Yeah. Any more any more observations or comments? Um not really. Did you have a favourite scene in the movie? Mmm. Probably, yeah, probably was like, fighting uh, that went on. <laughs> I think it was it. It could have been a scene where, where I think the scene where he's fighting those people who are trying to take the hot dogs. Because there, there was that one guy who's got like this real asshole smile on his face and he just wipes it yeah. off when he wants to slug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go on, Charlie. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he is badass in this movie, yeah. We were saying before we started recording, this may have been the prerequisite, or the the inspiration for John Wick, because Charlie Chaplin kicks some ass in this movie. He does. Um, how about you then? To be honest, pretty much the same. I I found that the kind of the violence the most entertaining part of the movie. I mean, 
Charlie's like kicking these people and they're going flying. And <laughs> there's mm-hmm. one scene mm-hmm. where the policeman swings for Charlie. Charlie ducks and then the policeman ends up hitting Mabel, knocks her out. And then one of the guys behind like picks her up and starts like waving air at her to like wake her up. And then Mabel gets him back. And yeah, it's just pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, that kind of, that kind of is not, you don't see that as much these days. I mean, that kind of comedy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly. it's definitely stylized. It's not, I mean, yeah, the idea of like hitting and knocking out Mabel, who's done like nothing wrong, might seem a bit weird, but mm. in the context of the movie, it's just all absurd. Everything, mm. pretty much everything that happens is absurd. It's just slapstick. Yeah. That, so in that kind of way, it works. That kind of, that kind of someone going to hit the other one, like that is a pretty common slapstick punch. Mm. But, but yeah, again, you still don't see it as much. That's true. Yeah. That is true. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Anyway, yeah. I think so. so what hmm. would you rate it? Good question. It's kind of hard to even rate it as a film, even though it is a film. Mm. But uh, probably, I'd see. I'd probably say a square seven. Interesting. Just the reason I would would mark it down is just because just sort of the lack of storyline. It doesn't feel like film in that sense like it doesn't mm. doesn't really have a still plot line <laughs> right how about yeah, it's true yeah i mean yeah you're right it's it's, it's a 12 minute feel quote unquote mm. film mm. so like give, giving it like the same kind of rating as you would a two-hour movie seems kind of redundant but for what it is mm. i'd agree seven i think you're pretty much spot on it's, it's entertaining mm. It doesn't really have a have a narrative. It's just it's it's two characters who see so you, you see these like two separate characters converge mm. during those twelve minutes. But apart from that, yeah, it's just visually entertaining and pretty funny. It is, yeah, that's it. I think that, that's the takeaway. It's it's entertaining. So mm. Mm. definitely worth twelve minutes of your time. I think. Yep, yep. I agree. Next. <laughs> Next. Next. Next is a rather different movie. It is The Last Temptation of Christ, directed in 1988 by Martin Scorsese. And it follow. it's a reinterpretation of the gospel following Jesus of Nazareth grappling with the central mystery. This is taken pretty much from Roger Ebert, uh-huh. which I'm plagiarizing grapples with the central mystery of Jesus that he is both God and man Mm. and it's a a rather long movie compared to Mabel's busy day (laughs) this is is over two hours this is is an epic indeed Mm. two hours thirty now something like that Mm. so just a bit of context of when this so this is based on a book by Greek author, mm-hmm. and when it came out, there was rather a bit of controversy mm. um, from the church. I would argue, yeah, and a lot of groups who perhaps hadn't even seen the movie were very wary about it being blasphemous, right? I think mostly because of the title. It does, yeah. 
but having said that i mean i a bit of research for this i went back to look look at quite a few of the reviews at from the time and a lot of those reviewers seem to suggest that the kind of controversy was stirred up from groups that hadn't seen the film right and the people that had seen the film could see that it wasn't quote-unquote blasphemous mm-hmm. so to speak mm. but what, what did you think of, okay okay what, what did you think of the movie okay so, so if we start with um visuals sure yeah okay um well, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. It start the film starts with the with that quote on on the screen, right? My soul is the arena where these two armies have clashed and met. Right. At that point, I I was kind of I was like, that's that's interesting having a quote. Like, well, it's it's quite common in films to have a quote at the beginning of the film on screen. It's kind of setting up the tone for the film. Right. So I thought that was that was an interesting visual. Um, visual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. But, but yeah, from there things went a bit downhill for me. To be honest, uh, initially oh, once yeah. once I realised that Jesus was the blonde head, blue eyed Jesus, um, I was I was a bit shocked. It was quite strange. It was very strange. Because in the Coen Brothers film, uh, Hail Caesar, was set in the 1950s, Mm. there's a a joke where there's, you see Jesus from behind, he's talking to a Roman soldier, and he's just blonde. That's, that's the gag, you know, and then they've done it in a film in the 80s. They've done that that trope of portraying Jesus as Western European, or European, you know. Um, so yeah, I thought it was quite strange to be fair and it kind of got my hackles up about everything else that was going to happen <laughs> so yeah even your hackles the, like yeah the, well yeah the Americans play this, uh, like Europeans are playing them the key roles of um, you know was Jesus' followers right disciples and then because you said you said it's filmed in Morocco then the extras are kind of Moroccans yeah, yeah, pretty um, much. And the Romans are British. Romans, yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Just, I mean, that they 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 would they would have been Europeans theoretically. Well, not all of them, but we can presume like a fair amount of them would have been. Um, so yeah, that was that's some of my thoughts about the visuals. There are other visuals. Okay. But anyway, please. There are the visuals. Okay. Please go on. Please go on. Well, yeah, and I mean, the fact that it was shot on location in Morocco, uh, it's, it's a very beautiful film. So it uses a lot of, like, natural sets and deserts and kind of as you would expect from from the Christ story. And, yeah, I mean, it's just all sets and natural spaces, and it's just filmed in – the cinematography is very nice. It's being a two hour, two and a half hour, however long it is, movie. Mm. I thought it uses the visuals kind of in terms of pacing. So it it lets the movie breathe. It will show like shots of the desert to kind of set the atmosphere. 
And yeah, I think being shot in Morocco, I mean, this is is a point being very bad, poorly made, but I think being shot in Morocco did the film a a favour, to be be fair. I mean, yeah, the filming location, you can't really argue with it. You can imagine that being somewhat similar to Israel. Right, right. I mean, on the point of uh, of the European Jesus, mm. I mean, if if we were going to go historical accuracy, then the movie wouldn't be in English. Um, the Romans wouldn't be speaking with modern English accents. I mean, there's there's so many points that we yeah. go through there. Yeah, I mean, there's arguments. And, yeah, sorry. Bro. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, just visually. So there are a few visual effects in the movie. So, for example, in the scene where Jesus is in the desert mm. um, and he's uh, resisting temptations, there's a scene where I, th- I think it's a tiger comes out, comes out at him like through the darkness of the desert, and he's like Jesus is like lit up by a very small fire. And then later on, there's there are scenes with snakes. And yeah, I just thought they were very effectively done. I mean, these are real animals that that we used. This, this isn't like, like these days they would use like a CGI tiger that you would uh, you would tell from miles away is fake. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I thought those points were definitely added to the story. Yeah, I think it's true. The, set, the sets were believable. Mm. Mm. And the film had a relatively small budget. I mean, mm. considering it's Scorsese, mm. and I think they used the budget pretty effectively. Like they didn't, it did. It doesn't seem like they wasted it unnecessarily on things that weren't necessary to the plot. Right. Yeah. I can go with that. Mm. Mm. I mean, that visually, I mean, that's really that's not, it's not really much else. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. How about the audio? What did you think of the the audio aspect of the movie? What was what was the music? What was the music? <laughs> <laughs> it had the uh, kind of music. Well, it did. It sounded sort of a little bit Middle Eastern sometimes, a little bit right Africany. And then it had a kind of distorted electric guitar. Right. And for me, that that was uh, quite strange. I'm not going to lie. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably I'd say I didn't like the music. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, going mm. back to like one mm. of your first points about the quote right. that the film starts with, yep. it also, I mean, before that quote, there's another, like, a... A section of text where it says like explicitly this is not based on the gospels this is based this is a fictional account right. based on on the book and i think that kind of set the tone that the movie was not supposed to be a kind of realistic well 100% realistic and almost documentary like interpretation of of that part of history so yeah. there, there being modern instruments and mm-hmm. stuff kind of added to that kind of aspect of the movie, I thought. 
Well, I mean, yes, yeah, I guess Scorsese's frequently, Scorsese became known for some of his soundtracks, which weren't, mm. which still kind of clashed with the characters, to be honest. Right. They're not, they're not, like maybe those like gangsters in Goodfellas weren't listening to Rolling Stones. They might have been, but you know, like, <laughs> it was, it was a kind of a, it was conflicting imagery, but it still worked. It's still right. great. Um, but for this one, it just, I mean, what, I didn't get any of it. So that's probably why I didn't get the music too. Fair enough. But yeah, that's probably it really. Like, mm. If you're going to buy I, into it, then you probably liked it. If you didn't, then, then something else. Anyway, sorry, Carol. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, more, more so than the visuals and more so than the audio, I think what this movie is about mm. and what makes it good, in my, in my, in my opinion anyway, yep. is that the subject matter I thought was very interesting. Like mm-hmm. for me, coming from a, a non-Christian background, um, I, I'm, I'm not very familiar with the gospel and my knowledge of Jesus' story is definitely limited. But this kind of portrays Jesus as being almost completely a man while at the same time being divine. So kind of the movie focuses on... Mm. The aspect of the character that has human weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So, for example, it, I mean, the title is The Last Temptation of Christ. Mm-hmm. And the temptation is really the, the temptation to live a normal life. Mm-hmm. So that's the last while, one. Yeah. Right. Yep. So whilst he's on the cross, he has an experience where he is he meets who he thinks is his guardian angel. I mean, it's a little girl who, who tells him. That she's his guardian angel and she tells him that God doesn't need him to die on the cross anymore and that he's done what he needs to do and he can now come down and live normal life and Jesus being or having those human weaknesses succumbs to that and and he ends up having a, a normal a normal life mm-hmm. and then later on in the movie he's an old man on his deathbed and he comes to the realization that his so-called guardian angel was really Satan. But yeah, I, I thought that particular aspect of the film was most interesting. Like, for mm. me, who's who doesn't have much experience with the text, my idea of how Jesus has been portrayed just in media is as basically as God in the mm. form of a man, mm. but otherwise as a very almost perfect perfect man so mm. this seeing these aspects of a man that aren't necessarily perfect interested me anyway yeah i mean yeah it's a, it's a fair point i mean it's it's not an uninteresting area to make a film about i just didn't think it was made mm. very well from my, from my perspective fair well, enough I, i'll take your points i do take your points mm. there yeah. Because yeah. right. but the points you're making there also are already kind of in the Bible anyway. That's mm. the thing. That was the point for me. Like it wasn't it, for me, it wasn't really saying anything new, but it was being a little bit bombastic with some of the points. Right. Like really hammering them home. Like <laughs> that one scene where he's he's kind of giving 
I think he's talking about he's giving them one of the sermons about the seeds. Like you, you throw out the seeds, and it goes in the good ground, it goes in the bad ground, and some will grow and some won't. Right. So he's doing that, right. and then he says, um, he says something that triggers the <laughs> triggers the crowd. He's like, yeah, let's go kill the fucking Romans. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. I said love, <laughs> but it, it's it's like. Uh, because clearly like, that's talking about not just that, but it's talking about the way that Christians act very violent and aggressive people historically, right? There's been like a lot of violence right. in the name of Christianity. And it's just this little bam, bomb, still storyline plot that was just like, it felt a bit heavy handed yeah. to me. It felt a bit heavy handed. Yeah, I mean. I mean that that's definitely not exclusive to Christianity. It's, though, not, it's but, not. It's not. It's not. I mean, okay, this is just a point that I, I suddenly remembered that I should have talked about during the audio section. Mm-hmm. But one of the things the movie does do well is the Jesus's kind of relationship with God in the movie isn't portrayed as him like looking at the sky and talking to talking to a voice in the sky or anything mm. so explicit as that. Right. So very early in the movie, he's kind he's kind of walking, and he turns around, and like kind of asks the like silence behind him, who is that? Who's following me? So he you, you can like from that you can get that he's hearing a voice. We can't hear it. We don't know what's being said. But you can he he thinks there's someone following him. He can sense a presence. But we're seeing it kind of from like an outside perspective. So we're just seeing him react to what he's experiencing. Uh, yeah, I thought that was also very well done. It's, they, on the one hand, there are scenes, as you just mentioned, which are quite, I wouldn't say ham-handed or ham-fisted, but they're, they're not not the most subtle. Mm. But then there are other scenes which I think do handle the subtlety a bit better. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what... Do you, I mean, a lot of the movie's reputation for blasphemy has kind of died down in the last three decades. It's not really yeah, seen yeah. as a very controversial movie anymore. Yeah. But what what would you rate the film? Just as a just as a movie. Oh, uh, marks out of ten. Is that what you mean? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be pretty low for me. It's gonna be three. That's yeah, three. And that's a okay. bit higher than I would like to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where would you like to go? I mean, there's no, no restrictions probably here. Wouldn't, can... It probably wouldn't even give it three. But, I mean, does you probably do three or give a Harvey Keitel? Because I did, uh, the scenes with Harvey Keitel I did actually like. I was like, yeah, okay, I like, I like. He was He was good in it. Like, you could feel mm. his passion just for, his, just, just for his acting. I mean, I don't even know if it was, he was actually being... Um, Judas, particularly, but he was, he was, I still just liked him. It's being Harvey Keitel. Priest or Harvey Keitel, just for being Harvey Keitel. Fair enough. How about you? <laughs> um, that's, that's, I guess, fair point. Um, Harvey Keitel, he's pretty, he's pretty good in the movies. I mean, I, I don't really have any knowledge of what the Judas is portrayed as being in the, in the gospel, but. In this film, he's portrayed as being like a very kind of active. How, how do you say? Uh, 
he's a very forceful character. Mm. So he he gets things done. He's kind of like an enforcer. <laughs> kind of. he's, he's almost gangsterish. Yeah, he's kind of working with some sort of resistance against the Romans or something. Right. Yeah. But in terms of marks out of ten, mm. I would definitely have to veer from the three and go for a nine. Wow. It would either be a high eight. I'll, I'll, round, I'll round up to a nine. Yeah, three threes. Times yours by three, <laughs> and you get mine. But yeah, I think it's a very interesting movie. Um, I've seen it a few times now. Mm. And I think the, the portrayal of Jesus by Willem Dafoe is also very good. I would argue better than Harvey Keitel, but I, I do Harvey think... Harvey Keitel didn't seen. play Jesus? <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do think it's worth watching. <laughs> okay. How about the third and final movie? Third and final movie uh, is Mandy. Uh, 2017, Panos Cosmatos. There's a bit of a Greek theme building up here, I think. A bit. Indeed. Even though he's not Greek, Greek. He's Canadian, but, you know. Um... His mother was Swedish. Oh, okay. Swedish, Canadian, Greek. He was born in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, so the synopsis <laughs> is uh, there's a couple who live quiet life in the woods away from the city. Um, they <laughs> find themselves the target of a cult, a vicious cult. And their house, house is invaded by the cult because uh, they've taken a shine to Andrea Riseborough. Uh, she is brutally murdered because she doesn't, doesn't want to go with them. Uh, and then they run away and Nick Cage goes on uh, just revenge. Indeed. Yeah, that's the storyline. Uh, I don't think I don't know if it necessarily explains the film though. Mm, or even if it is a film. Ah, the it. word film. I mean, our first movie, our first so-called film, Mabel's Busy Day. Also, I mean, the the word film kind of conjures the image of a an hour and a half kind of story. Yeah, these days. For these two films mm. can slightly go against the mould of what we consider a film. But it's a film. It's a film. Let's start with the very beginning. Um, which is probably a good place to start. It's good. Uh, because this film... <laughs> vis- vis- oh dear. Visually, visually, this film is a very visually driven... Visuals driven... Not just visual driven, but it's a trip. Yeah, quite the trip. So, any any comments on the visuals? Um, well, one thing that I think everyone who watches it will notice is the film uses color to quite the effect. I mean, it almost literally throws a paint can of bright colors, mm. fluorescent purples and reds at the screen at times mm-hmm. yeah I mean, mm-hmm. it's 
it's a heavily stylized movie. And it's wow. even got some some parts of the movie are straight up animated. It's got like sections of animation mm, mm. sprinkled in the movie. True. So it's kind of so when you when you're saying was it a film, are you saying it's kind of almost into sort of music video territory or anime uh, animation territory? Mm, mm, not necessarily. It's so it's it's a film with a with a plot, but the, I think the way it goes about telling that plot is very untraditional. So, for example, it's it's, it's, more, it's a more than two hour movie, and the first hour or so is very slow. There are there are a lot of just shots without any dialogue, without anyone really doing anything. The, the shots that like linger on certain things for like long stretches of time mm. which I mean arguably are there to do build up and yeah but it's a very art house movie in the way it's filmed it's not if, if you go into this film we talked about expectations in the last <laughs> one if you go into this film expecting it to be like a John Wick Wick-esque revenge movie it ain't that it ain't that. <laughs> it's, it's not, is it? Yeah, there's not, there's not the, the sort of um, big budget stunts in the same way. Right. In the same way. Hmm. I, th- oh, I thought. So what? Yeah, exactly. What you were talking about there with the, the lingering shots, for example. I thought. Uh, but that's the thing. We talked said, said start with the visuals, but the problem is the audio was was so intermeshed with yes. the visuals. Um, I mean, arguably, maybe it always is, but I don't. In this this case, that was the the, the music follows those shots. Right. Absolutely. That, yeah, and that's what kind of that's what for me kept my interest because mm. that it's. Very much exper- experiential, I think those parts. Yes. Yeah. That's the word. Is that a word? I don't know. It is now. Mm, nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's it. In fact, that's probably the best way of describing the film. It's an experience. Mm. It may not be a film you want to watch on a regular basis. You could not <laughs> add to your playlist of like movies to watch when you're bored. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But. It, mm. If you're watching it in a dark room with headphones and you've just taken a bunch of LSD. Oh dear, you, you're going to die. You're just going to die. That's what's going to happen. You can see it being projected onto the wall of a club. You could, right. you could literally just project this movie onto the wall of a club and it'd be on in the background and you'd look up every now and again and you'd be like, wow. Well, I think by the end of the night, some people would have died. <laughs> like, yeah, probably not the best idea, especially if you've got chainsaws lying around. What kind of, clubs, axes. What kind of clubs are you going to? <laughs> Chainsaw clubs? <laughs> you know, Ben? No. <laughs> no. no. Um, yeah. But yeah, for, okay, we'll finish a little bit with the with the, the visuals, I guess. But yeah, dreamlike. I think that was one word which I think comes to mind. With the visions, mm. 
and the audios together. Hmm. Did you? So I, I was, I thought with the audio, with the soundtrack, with the music, uh, it sounds, it's, it had a bit of John Carpenter in there, I thought. Okay, how's it? Well, it, like he's, some of his, like, well, just his music from, um, uh, Assault on Precinct 13 had a little bit of those kind of sounds to it, but it, it could just be because it's, quite retro clearly right yes um but if they synth yes the synth sound um Mm. if they didn't weren't inspired by john cobb to some extent i'd be be, you know i wouldn't believe that (laughs) (laughs) no you're right i think that sounds pretty accurate just another point on the visuals. Mm, I mean, mm. so whilst this is, for the vast majority of the movie, a very almost lackadaisical, lackadaisically paced movie, towards the last half hour, it pretty much explodes. Mm. And Nicolas Cage goes batshit Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and there are, there's this one of the fights in the movie is a chainsaw fight. Mm. So Nicolas Cage has a rather, rather normal sized chainsaw. Rather normal sized chainsaw. Is the other and he guy comes, like this a gimp suit? Yes. And he has what can best be described as the most phallic chainsaw that has been portrayed in a movie. It's like a two meter long <laughs> chainsaw. And they, and they have this fight with it almost wielding these chainsaws like swords. Mm. It's it's very entertaining. Like it's very entertaining. Yes. And if you're a fan of uh, Sir Nicholas the Cage then, Who isn't? Then you're not... Who isn't? Come on. Exactly. Well well, I mean there's a small corner of the internet. But Who isn't? Oh. Yeah. I mean but if you know Nicholas Cage, you know he has the the potential and the capability of acting absolutely insane. And not only that. Not only that. Oh, yeah, he's got quite a lot of range, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you've seen The Wicker Man, then you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, if The Wicker Man was like 100% Cage, then this is 210, perhaps mm. off the charts. Mm. He, he's a good guy. Like he had a house. <laughs> he had a house in Bath. Oh, it did. <laughs> Biased. Yeah, very biased. But I do, I do think the film is it's worth experiencing, even if you're not a fan of Nicolas Cage. It's it's I worth think, experiencing. Yeah, I think you could like it without being a fan of Nicolas Cage himself. Mm. Um, a few other bits. I'm gonna say bits I kind of liked as well. I mentioned that. Um, I like the the line. Do you like the Carpenters? I think they are sensational. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's like that line. My favourite lines. Any standout lines? Anything interesting? Um, not not that I can remember. I mean, as I said before, there's there's not much dialogue for the vast majority of this movie. There's like one section, two thirds in, where the cult have invaded the house of Nicolas Cage and his and his wife. 
And that in in that one scene, there's more dialogue than in the rest of the movie, where the cult leader, incidentally played by uh, the actor who plays Thomas Wayne from Batman Begins, very strange to see him here, but he he's also he also does does a good job. But yeah, he's kind of monologuing to the the titular Mandy. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think that's the scene where he he makes the quote you just. That, that's the, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. And it's also the scene where he uh, shows us his uh, his Johnson. Wow. You don't you don't want that, do you? <laughs> well, you don't want that. <laughs> so, it's mm, to mm. talk about. I mean, like in the in the kind of typical categories that we have of visual audio and observations yeah it's in this movie as you said before the audio and the visual are so intertwined yeah. and it's not i mean so there's almost some some people are almost jokingly referred to the movie as a sequel to hellraiser wow. because mm. in hellraiser you've got those uh kind of monsterish creatures I they look remember. similar, don't they? They do look similar. Yeah. Mm. In this movie, there's these three kind of creatures from Hellraiser who are in the movie, and it's not really explained why they're there or what they are, but they're kind of not human, but at the same time, they're not completely monstrous. They're kind of like dressed in gimp suits and yeah. wrapped in black bags and stuff. It's, it's all very weird. Mm. This isn't a movie that explains itself. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's just you just have to kind of experience it. Like if you use yeah. if you're trying to use your logical mind to watch it, you might not like it. Exactly. <laughs> you have you have to go along for the ride and just suspend all disbelief. Yeah, it is kind of a ride, isn't it? Hmm. The um, I'm um, not unfun fact. The comp- the music composer for the movie uh is actually dead. Really. Yeah, died in 2018, apparently. Oh. So, yeah, unfun fact. You watched the movie, yeah. That's not a fun fact. Oh. We'll we'll end on that unfun fact. <laughs> we'll, end, we'll end on a low. So, what's your um, what's your what's your rating, please? Um, this is this is another hard one to be honest. I mean, I would say it is definitely a movie worth watching. It was an experience that I enjoyed, mm-hmm. but I do think at times the movie's a bit too up its own ass. Okay. And which which did put me off a bit, and it, it was a bit misrepresented by the trailer. So the, if you watch the trailer, it kind of portrays this as a balls out action revenge movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure expectations again. That's why I thought it was going into it. And then after the first almost probably more than an hour in which not much had happened, I was a bit almost lulled into a bit of a kind of well, it's well, like a hurry up kind sleepy. of thing. Yeah, I was like, mm. when is this going to get to the chainsaws and the, the action? It's like that's kind of what I came to see. Right. I mean, that's maybe that's just the fault of the trailer. It shouldn't have represented it misrepresented it like that but anyway mm. out of 10 i would give it a six mm. i do think it's worth watching yeah 
How about yourself? Fair, that's fair. Um, I think I know what you mean by that. I still, because I, I, I still, I still enjoyed the experience of it. Mm-hmm. It had very much that B movie retro right thing going on, which I found quite interesting. Um, so I, I probably would give it higher, maybe it's like seven and a half. Could even go as high as we don't do halves on this podcast. I have to go because <laughs> I did enjoy it. I would, I would happily watch it again. Um, and it's, it was, it was as much as being kind of very retro. It was also something you don't see in a way. Mm. Kind of unique in a way, even though it was very retro. Yeah, so I've never seen a movie like it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool. Movie. So we both say, watch the movie then. Yeah, yeah, I do think it's definitely worth watching. We're in Interesting. Agreement. We're in agreement there. <laughs> <laughs> right, so let's finish this. Uh, let's finish this. <laughs> I've, I've been Al. I've been proud. Thanks for listening. <laughs>